walk into a room and you create the vibration, you create the frequency, you don't receive, you know, you can walk into a room and be like, someone's looking at me, someone's making fun of me, someone's doing this or someone's angry, you know, and you can, you can be affected by it or you can create it and you don't have to try. And so it becomes from when you're so aligned and healed and understood of who you are, like the word confidence. I was looking this up the other day, the confidence comes from the Latin word um, trust. And so it's basically like, do you trust yourself, like the confidence of yourself? Do you trust who you are and what you are? And so when you walk into a room, you, you change the, the, or you walk into a conversation, a room or any situation, you create a whole new vibration frequency that is uh, effortless. There is no trying to uh, get affirmation or validation or um, attention or brag or boast. It's really, you come into a room and you're like, man, who can I just love? Like who really needs a hug? Who really needs some good questions maybe, or just to be heard or felt. And you're not going into a room of transaction of like, okay, who can help me here? Who can help me get to my next career goal? Who can help me get X, Y, and Z and uh, a broken masculine, a hurting masculine walks into a room and goes, okay, I need to use people here to get what I, you know, it's just, it's just like dominion kind of idea. And, uh, and when you're healed and with this feminine plus masculine, you come in and be like, man, who can I just, you know, who can I love, you know, not impressed, but who can I just, yeah, be there for. Welcome to Masculine Mastery, a show dedicated to helping men open their hearts, rise into their greatness, and liberate their most alive, awakened, and authentic selves. My name is Christopher August, and I invite you to join me each week alongside some of today's most respected thought leaders, where we'll be diving deep into a wide range of topics to support the evolution of masculinity and the consciousness of this planet. What is happening, everyone? I am back for another episode of the Masculine Mastery Podcast. And today I am featuring a conversation that I had with BC Serna. BC is a purpose mentor as his mission is to make people feel loved, seen, heard, encouraged, and celebrated daily. He recently built a community app called Love Tribe Collective that connects people all over the world to help pursue their purpose, heal their hearts, and connect with new lifelong friends. He's hosted many different online masterminds over the past three years that over 150 plus people have joined from 25 different countries. BC is a really cool dude. I really enjoyed this conversation. It was very grounded and authentic and really just spoke to his experience of traveling the world, of being in all these different countries, mentoring youth, um, and really what that's taught him throughout his journey over the past 14 plus years. And yeah, really, you can feel the love radiating from this individual and really appreciated his wisdom, his knowledge, and all of the energy that he brought to this conversation. Before we get into this uh, conversation, I just want to highlight that we still have some spots open for our elemental seven-day Hawaii men's retreat. This retreat kicks off October 30th. 
and ends on November 6th. It's at this incredible off-grid retreat center in the big island of Hawaii called Kokowasi. And this place is spectacular. There's over 20 different fruit trees growing on the property, all these beautiful bungalows, meditation, yoga space, uh, so much. And there's super close to the beach. Uh, during this experience, we're going to be diving into some embodiment workshops. We're going to be getting into some nature-based activities, hiking up volcanoes, snorkeling with dolphins, waterfall hikes, and so much more. So if you are interested in diving in with us, me and my brother, Sean Graves, who are going to be co-hosting and facilitating this retreat, then I urge you to head on over to masculinemastery.co, masculinemastery.co, and under the experiences tab, you can click and you will find a PDF with all of the information on this epic men's experience. Now, if you guys need some assistance financially for attending this and you really want to come, you love the energy behind it, all of this stuff speaks to you, then we do offer payment plans as well. So check it out, apply, and I would love to see you there. Lastly, if you like this podcast, you enjoy everything you've heard on this episode and other episodes be sure to subscribe at Apple or Spotify, rate the podcast, and if you can, leave a review. It helps to gain visibility for this show and get it into more hands around the globe. And today I have BC Cerna joining me, and I was just talking to him offline a little bit just about how much I appreciate his work and his authenticity and just the realness he brings to the world and the love that he brings. You can feel it from his heart. And so, again, my intention for this podcast is to bring on the people that I resonate with the most. And, and BC is definitely one of those people. And so welcome, my brother. How are you? Oh, wow. Thanks so much. I appreciate that. Yeah, I'm doing well, feeling blessed and uh, yeah, honored to be here. Thanks so much. Every time there is another man doing the work. I know it seems like sometimes in our bubble, we can see a, like a lot of men are doing the work. And I think when we take a step back, it's like, whoa, there's still a huge need. So I think for me, I'm always excited when I see someone doing divine masculine work and fatherhood and all that stuff. So I'm honored to be here. Thanks so much. Thanks, man. No, I appreciate that. And I agree. I think it's definitely a need that is it's still a very large need within our society. And something that um, I've spoke about in my other podcasts is something that spirit has really dropped in. It's like, okay, it's time to start yeah, doing this work and bringing this forth to the world. And there's amazing people that are already within this realm of masculinity and, and helping to redefine what it means to be a man in the modern world. And yeah, I think, you know, one of the biggest intentions for this, this, podcast and these conversations is to to really examine that and to redefine yeah what it is to be that man and and to step into the heart space and that's something I really want to speak to today with you because again I feel this this resonance with you and you living from your heart and what it's taken you to get to that point has it always been that way so maybe just talk a little bit about your story growing up as a man, what is, what has that been like for you? Yeah, it's been a long journey. Um, 
yeah, it's hard to figure out where it started and where, you know, it started to make real change and breakthrough of when you start to realize this little boy that's inside that is, is trying to just be felt or heard or seen. But, um, I guess I've been on the journey for the last 14 years since I was 19 years old. I, I, uh, finally left the U S I was, I grew up in the suburbs of Denver and, uh, 19 years old, I got offered to do a study abroad program and started traveling the world. Uh, with college students. And that was the first taste of understanding the bigger need of the world, the purpose, the passions, the like, the world, there's a lot of people who need help. Um, So that was like the first drop, I would say in the in like the ocean of this journey. Um, And then since then, I was kind of just committed to figuring out what it was, what the feeling of purpose and passion was. and then throughout that, uh, became a mentor to young, younger high school kids. When I was in my early 20s, I was really frustrated when I started traveling the world. I, that no one told me when I was in high school about purpose and passion and and like having some sort of calling. Instead, it was just sports and uh, cult. You know, it was just a, a suburbs of America, it was a bubble. And so when I came back to the United States, I just was my goal was to let as many high school kids know about these things and uh, be the person I wish I had in high school. Um, So that was the real beginning of it. And then learning how to mentor young men and boys in high school. And then that was the, uh, that was the ultimate, you know, initiation of like, can you be patient and invest in young, young people's lives uh, for the long haul? And so that was like, I guess the beginning of it for sure. Mm. Yeah, that sounds powerful. And especially be, you know, offering the advice that you wish you would have had to that sort of younger version of yourself and as well as obviously the other men that you were mentoring. And yeah, I think it's such a powerful process to be able to go through what you went through, as I'm sure it was a lot, especially when you travel. What countries were you were you in? Uh, a lot of Asia, Thailand, Philippines, um, Cambodia. Uh, so spent a lot of time in Asia. And so that was like my first touch point of, and and also just like Eastern tradition and cultures. Like we were living with monks. We were like, it was just the ultimate suburban bubble being popped. And, uh, yeah. So, um, and then, yeah. And then trying to come back to the U S and be like, man, I need to let as many young people know, uh, about the world, (laughs) I guess you could say. And so I started taking high school kids around the world with me and I was really just trying to implement what I wish I had growing up. Um, so, yeah, that's incredible. And I, you know, there's something that's really, um, yeah, really special about that because I think a lot of people that don't have those sort of travel experiences for me, it was, it was the Peace Corps. I was in Africa for two years. And so, you know, I understand that bubble being popped. I I grew up in a suburbs of Buffalo, New York. And so, you know, you only get one flavor there. Whereas when you travel your mind, your heart, your spirit just opens up so wide to receive these like almost at times these shockingly like deep enriching cultural differences that yeah realize wow like it isn't just this there is all of this and so to be able to expose yourself to that there's so much beauty there and also also a lot of difficulty as well but it gives you that perspective i think that a lot of people don't get so for you to go and travel and then bring people with you on these world tours. I think that's, that's an incredible, incredible thing. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. It's definitely been the, the highlight of everything. I've, I've got to do so much in the last 14 years, like 
build schools and orphanages and water wells and, and do really a lot of big projects. But I would say, you know, mentoring high school kids in the United States, it, it trumps all of it. Like I would literally choose that intimate difficulty. It wasn't as cool and sexy, you know, like I could go build an orphanage in Uganda, which looks really cool on social media. And everyone's like, oh my God, it's so powerful and amazing. And I'm like, yo, you know what's powerful and amazing? Going to the inner city of Denver and working with a bunch of kids who don't have brothers or father figures or support and or mental health ability, you know, resources. And so, you know, it wasn't as cool as as people thought, um, but it was my highlight. Like I would tell people to do that over anything else is mentor young people. Um, so if you're in your 30s or your 40s, mentor people in their 20s, you know, and, and always just try to find young people to pour into. And I know life coaching is becoming the big trend right now where everyone's trying to charge for their maybe wisdom or knowledge or experience. Um, but there's nothing more humbling and authentic than just doing it for free as in young people, you know, and uh, not trying to find some sort of capitalistic mindset around it, which is, you know, everyone's trying to figure it out. But I, I always encourage, I feel like there's so many 20 year olds right now that want to be life coaches in their 20s. And you're just kind of like, hey, I hear you, I get it, but just go work with high school kids for five years and really pour into a group of kids without any transactional relationship. And you'll learn a lot about yourself and a lot about how to actually mentor or coach people. Um, it's not so much transactional as it is in as it is in love, you know, and really getting to care for someone. So, yeah. Mm. Yeah. And it's, I think it's from that state of love, you know, where everything else comes through the prosperity, the abundance and everything else that people might want through taking the life coaching route and, and going through that path. But yeah, you know, and I think the one of the biggest thing and something that I sort of identified early on, well, you know, stepping deeper into this realm of masculinity is the need, especially for fatherless young men. There's so many people out there, so many kids out there that don't have that true, healthy, integrated, balanced father figure. And so I'm curious to know about your time working with these children and, and these kids, um, young adults, I should say. What was that like? for you to observe from that perspective and and you mentioned that some of them may not have had fathers and and what was that like yeah it was the ultimate initiation it was the ultimate you know 23 year old kind of crazy dipshit kid like me you know i was really ambitious wanted to change the world wanted to do so much i was a filmmaker too and the next thing you know it, like I'm helping kids like get out of the foster care system and some of them are living at my house and i'm helping kids like you know, that got arrested or like just all, so much intimacy work of like this white dude in the east side of Denver trying to like just listen and learn. And there was a lot of criticism and judgment, but I knew without a doubt I was just supposed to be like in these kids corner. Like I wasn't supposed to be a, a teacher. I wasn't supposed to be a parent. I wasn't supposed to be a, a even a mentor. I was literally supposed to be a brother of like they're going through something difficult and I'm just like there to listen or they, you know, be at the sports games. And it was the ultimate initiation for my entire life. Like my whole foundation is built off of this, like the sacrifice of just learning and listening and not having an agenda. I think a lot of people sometimes go into mentorship or coaching with a lot of like maybe pride of puffy chest and like, oh, I have so much knowledge. I'm going to teach you something. And even myself traveling the world and then going to these high school kids, I'm like, oh my gosh, I have so much to teach these kids man, I wish these kids, I wish someone told me this when I was in high school. And and there's this quote that I kind of lived by was like, 
kids don't, or young, you know, young adults, kids don't care how much, you know, until they know how much you care. And so there is this pride that you go in with like, I'm going to teach them. I'm going to inspire them. I'm so amazing, you know, and then you're just crazy humbled because these kids are like, I don't give a shit what you have to say. I don't even know who you are. I don't even care. And it's in that humility of just asking them questions about their sports or their school grades or just showing up, taking them to lunch. And then within that, that uh, patience of discipline of just being like showing up without an agenda you learn how to humble yourself, how to earn your right to be heard. Um, and that was a big theme for me too, is you have to earn your right to be heard. And so you have to really um, do the work and put in the work of just time. And so it really slowed my whole process down of like quick trying to change the world, change the world, change the world. And I remember one moment when I was younger in these 20, I was 23, 24, 25 or so. And God was like, I felt I was in this meditation prayer and I felt like God just really clearly kind of like spoke to me was what I had like my journal out and I felt this presence of like, God's like, Hey, that's so cool. You want to like change the world and help a lot of people. That's like so sweet and genuine. That's amazing. And, and I honor you for that. But, but God was like, if all you do when you get to your deathbed, someday you're about to die on your deathbed. If all you do is just love these kids where they're at, these 50, there's like 15 or 20 of them. He's like, just love them. Just love them. Don't have an agenda. Don't try to get them to college. Don't try to save them. Don't try to, you know, whatever. He's like, just love them. He's like, I'll call you successful. And I like felt this weight of pressure off my shoulders, just alleviate of like, oh, wow, I don't have to do all these huge things in this small time frame, And I still have to show up with love, but it was like this moment for me that just made life so much more, I guess like simple, but difficult, but also just the simplicity of just love, you know, no agenda, no, uh, no, you know, markers of success of like, okay, cool. Four of my students went to college and graduated or, you know, like there's like these things. And so, yeah, it really, uh, taught me a lot for sure. Wow. Yeah, I feel I feel the profound nature of that experience and really the also the simple yet profound message as well as, you know, talking about your experience of stepping deeper into a space of love. And really that's what it comes down to at the end of the day and I think that's the t- most difficult and toughest thing for all of us is because we're so we're taught to strive, chase and s- s- like really step into this space where, Hey, we've accomplished all of this, especially as men, right? We've done X, 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 and X, and this is what makes us successful. But really at the end of the day, it's just that connection through the heart space of what truly matters the most. And arguably that is changing the world. You know, that is what will, what will shift consciousness. What will expand people is showing up from a place of, of love from a place where there is no hidden agendas, that it's just me and you, you and this group, whoever it is. And just from that space, everything shifts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's the, that's the journey. That's the hero's journey, right? Even just yep. the, 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 the full circle of just be, you know, being confident and, and capable, but also just really being humbled in the process of the journey. And, you know, the idea of the word changing the world, you know, I I was saying the other day that like everyone wants to change the world, but no one wants to do the dishes for their mom, you know, like it's the simple things that really reveal our character and show us our power in like the uh, 
unsexy moments, you know, social media makes everything really sexy and cool. And then there's the, the deepest, most profound experiences I had from traveling to helping people, impacting people have never been documented or filmed or taken pictures of. And it's been the most transformational parts of my life that it's between me and God, you know, it's not even like a public thing that I, you know, share and stuff like that. So it's, yeah. Yeah, it's deeply intimate and something that, you know, of course, the whole mantra of, you know, changing yourself, you change the world, right? You heal yourself, you heal the world. So it's through these processes. And I think obviously through an experience like this, that your awareness, your consciousness begins to shift and obviously where it's led you today. Before I get into where you are right now and what's transpired in your life, what have you found through this process, like mentally, emotionally for these kids, where they were at and perhaps, you know, where they, I don't know, let's say like who they became, but what was the transformation that you began to see from you just being there in a place of love with these kids? I think just that moment you you earn that trust and that respect, uh, not as a place of like, oh, I have the, it's just like their parents or their aunts or other people in their family would call me when they're going through something tough, you know, not only them, which was really beautiful. So they would, you know, they would start reach out to me because what, when I learn when you leave from the heart, you become a pursuer of people and you become the pursuer. And I think a lot of people who are, um, leaders or, uh, you know, maybe speaks on stages or does really powerful things on social media, we think people are just going to pursue us, you know, and, and when you become a hard led leader, when you lead from the soul and the spirit, you actually pursue people relentlessly. And it doesn't matter if they didn't text you back for five times or call you back after 10 times, you humble yourself enough to be a pursuer. And so I pursued, I pursued, I pursued. And, you know, uh, there's that one day where they finally start reaching out to you and they're like, Hey man, can we do this? Oh, Hey, I need some help with this. Hey, I'm really struggling with this. And you're like, Whoa, like these kids are talking about their mental health or their addictions or wanting to break certain cycles. And that is the moment you it's, I mean, the, the, the best analogy is the fruit, you know, you plant these seeds and there's like this quote, I think Tony Robbins said that uh, a legacy is like a garden you'll never see. And so, you know, you plant these seeds, nourish and nourish, and you never see the garden, but you focus a lot on it. And then for me, I was so fortunate because I started to see the fruit of just years of sacrifice and commitment and discipline and dedication. And then you start to see these kids um, become adults and men and have moments of just like epiphany moments of something that they, uh, you know, broke through a, a generational trauma, a generational cycle um, generational addiction. So all these different things. So yeah, for me, that was, that was the moment. Um, it definitely started becoming real and, uh, it's, yeah, you taste that fruit and then you're like, oh man, this is the best. This is cause you know, you earned it. You know, you didn't go, you didn't go in with this pride and this knowledge and be like, I'm gonna change these kids' lives. And then two months later, these kids are now speakers and, you know, but it's like years of work and you're like, whoa. And then the best thing is, you know, a lot of the times we are searching for validation and affirmation from maybe our parents, maybe our culture, maybe ourselves. And, you know, you're really doing all these different things from getting muscle to getting money to success. And you're just, you're like waiting for that person. Maybe it's your dad or your mom or your friends from high school, like someone to be like, Hey, you're cool. You're enough, you know? And the beautiful thing is the moment we 
that the moment you finally get that validation affirmation, you no longer need it. And so once you, once you're patient enough and you work really hard at this leading from the heart and being humble, and then the moment, maybe it's your dad says you're proud, he's proud of you or X, Y, and Z, you know, the culture says you're successful. You're like, whoa, that, that feels different than what I thought it was going to feel. And thank goodness I don't put my value in that affirmation, you know? And, and so you finally get it that one day and then you're like, wow, that's, that's not it, you know? And, uh, it's, it's funny. It's beautiful like that. Mm, yeah. That, thank you for sharing that, man. I really, uh, that, that resonated a lot for me. And I think, um, you know, based on this conversation, I think the central theme thus far is around, yeah, being and leading from the heart and what that takes. And I think a lot of men these days, there's so much mental activity. There's so much living from up here that that shift from the head to the heart is the greatest journey, arguably, that we can all take. And so for you, and I guess maybe your definition, what does it mean to be a heart-led leader? What does it mean? Obviously, we spoke to leading with love. What, what does it mean to step into that space of the heart and be a heart-led leader in the world? Yeah, it's um, it's a process of really trying to identify yeah cultural programming and um, even biological programming, right? Of this alpha or this like man that needs to lead or you know have these certain things and and really trying to tap into our feminine and having the feminine be the teacher and you know the the idea of toxic masculinity masculinity is really just broken feminine entity of our culture you know and so the toxic man what he, what he's doing is just a hurt little boy and so when you start to realize patterns of how you react and how you lead and it doesn't feel in alignment with integrity you know those moments the reason i've learned how to be a heartless leader is because i failed at it so many times and I, I uh, one time led this project where we traveled the whole entire United States in an RV with seven of my friends. And I, and I did a Kickstarter. We fundraised money. We had an RV. We went through parties that raised money for charities around the whole U.S. And uh, in that, I found moments where I wasn't leading from the heart to, to these seven guys that were in the RV. And it just made me like cringe. It made me like not feel authentic. It made me feel out of integrity. And I remember coming back from that tour and it was this huge tour that was really big, meant a lot to me at that time. I was 27 and I went back to LA and all my friends were like, how was it? Like, what'd you learn? What was it? 25 cities. And I was like, man, I learned I'm not that good at leading from the heart. I'm not a good heart led leader. And people were like, what? And I was like, and it was for me, it was just my own journey. But I remember sharing that with people because I wanted to be vulnerable enough to, to be honest. And uh, there was moments where I just didn't feel that. And so um, really, yeah, you really, you learn that you're not good at basketball by playing basketball, right. Or whatever it might be. And so, um, that's, yeah, I've learned it by trying to lead and do different things and then realizing that's not how I want to do it. That's not how I want to show up. Um, and then really being like, okay, cool. And so when this was said, or this energy of stress, cause our RV broke down or, you had a bad phone call or you lost money or situation, how could I handle and control that better and different? Um, and so, yeah, really tap, tap it. And then for me, it's been a long journey, the feminine, the feminine energy of support and love and empathy and compassion and leading from that place and knowing that I might look weak 
Um, I might seem um, demasculine, maybe like to some people like, man, BC is just like to and flow. Like he's not, he's not forcing things. He's not like creating things from a place of like, you know, this is this. He's like almost too wishy-washy and flow. And so it's been like a pendulum shift. You know, you learn how to balance the equilibrium of it. And, and so, uh, but it, it's needed. So like, I'm, you know, someone's over here and then they got to swing over to the feminine and they're like, oh, that's okay, maybe too feminine. And then they try to come in the middle of the equally like yoked of both sides. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's been a long journey, but I would say the, the biggest piece of that question was tapping into the feminine energy and what that means to me and where I had resistance against it. Mm. Yeah, man, that, that's, that speaks volumes because I think right now, at least what I've been, I guess, intuited through some of my own experiences, especially I spoke about this on another podcast, but a little bit about my darkroom experience. I did a, a five-day darkroom experience in the beginning of the year. And in this experience, uh, the divine feminine, uh, and, and mother earth came through very, very strong to me. It was, uh, it was a profound and prophetic type of moment where it's like, okay, it's, if you, you really want to listen now, it's time to tap into the feminine aspect of you that you've abandoned for so long for most of your life actually. And so this experience, it woke me up to this part of me that I knew was there, but I was too hard-headed at times to even tap into that energy. And sometimes my masculine was just like so strong all the time. I mean, you mentioned the word force, um, you know, the other word that comes up, control, strive, chase, all of these things where it was like, okay, the feminine is calling out for help. And my own inner feminine and the feminine of this world, the earth, is calling out for our help. And I think one of the most important things that we can all do as men is tap into that energy. And I think what you also mentioned with the pendulum swing, it doesn't mean being fully in your feminine. It's just balancing those energies out and what that means to sit and receive, to stay in stillness, to be compassionate towards yourself and to what happens when we actually sit with that, there's so much more that comes alive within us, even our creativity, our intuition, all of that. So yeah, it's very interesting uh, that you mentioned that. And I think also a very powerful note. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's that's you hit on the head. That's cool that you did that, that dark room experience. That's powerful. Same. I was in the desert in 2021 for a couple months just by myself and deleted social media, turned my phone off and had this crazy encounter with the moon one night and and uh it was actually it was super this is super random but i was you know disconnected from social media from from you know society for a couple months and uh this one moment i put my camera up and i started talking to the camera just to document what i was kind of going through and then out of nowhere the moon like came up over this mountain ridge and it was full moon huge pink the biggest moon i've ever seen and i saw it and i started getting really emotional and had to turn the camera off because i didn't know what was going on from the experience but it was this portal i went through this feminine portal and uh that whole night had crazy contemplation and just um you know that yeah what you just said in that dark room you know that that we came to earth from a feminine portal of our moms and then we had to go through another feminine portal of healing that to come into the divine masculine and uh, separate from, you know, this other side of culture with the alpha and beta terminology and being like, no, it's divine, it's masculine, it's feminine. Um, but yeah. Mm, wow. I, I, I'm, as you were saying that I was visualizing this experience that you had, it sounds incredibly powerful. 
And I think there's, there's something in that. And I think all men listening to this, you know, really to, to just sit with this, the importance of taking time and stillness and solitude also coming together in brotherhood, which is equally important, but having that time in pure solitude, as you did deleting social media, going to the desert, you know, these sort of vision quest type of experiences for me, the dark room and sitting in the dark for multiple days. So like these types of experiences are, are so important for us to really integrate all of who we are without that. We're so busy. You know, we live in a world that just like one thing to the next, moving, moving, you know, doing, doing, doing. And you just don't get that opportunity or we don't give ourselves that opportunity to really slow down and listen and really step into. And there's a, there's a word in uh, an Aboriginal, Australian Aboriginal word called Dadiri. And Dadiri means deep listening. And there's something very powerful about just being able to listen to your own heart, to listen to your own spirit, to listen to the earth, to really sit with nature and what it is trying to provide us, the messages, the wisdom that it provides us. Yeah, yeah, totally. Amen. That's that's it. When I learned that that key ingredient of nature, um, you sit back and and you really go, oh wow, nature is the, it's the it's the reflection, right? There's such patience. There's like, there's like this part in the Bible where God is like, Hey, if I take care of all the birds and all the trees, why would I not take care of you? The most important creation, you know, for, and so I remember hearing that thinking that, and then being like, wow, that's so profound and beautiful of like, I'm looking around all the insects are taking care of the birds, the trees, everything is cohesively patient and working together. And then that's just a reflection of like, man, that's, that's what we're all humans. We're all supposed to be connected. The, the bird and the trees don't get mad at each other for whatever reason, you know, but they, they all work and they all have a role to play. And uh, yeah, nature and stillness and silence has been probably my biggest uh, and brotherhood's great. Like you said, brotherhood is an incredible key component, but stillness, silence, nature have just, yeah, those, those moments of the ego death, you know, of my, my identity, my ego and uh, just trying to surrender like who I truly am and and uh, and not trying to conceptualize or, you know, have this thought of it, you know, because, you know, it's like that idea that like I've thought myself out of happiness a million times, but I've never thought myself into happiness. And so like there, it, there it, you know, you can't, our brains are really good at getting out of things. Um, but our, our, if you lead from the heart, from the body, emotions, you know, the soul, you can find the surrender and the fluidity of the freedom of, you know, the water, the ocean, the movement. And yet, uh, if you sit too far here and be like, okay, I had this profound experience. Now, how do I explain it? Or how do I recreate it? Or how do I conceptualize it? And it's just not supposed to be, you know, um, yeah, it's not supposed to be understood. Right. Yeah. 100%, 100%. And so from your experiences and the conversation that's really led us to this point right now, what do you feel is like the characteristics, uh, if you could explain what it means to be in an embodied divine masculine presence? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, yeah, I think it, I think it continues to just, um, yeah, learn how you become a, a leader, um, and how you become, uh, 
like you don't, like you said, you don't overthink it. Like it's just a, it's a, it's an embodiment of flow of you walk into a room and you create the vibration, you create the frequency. You don't receive, you know, you can walk into a room and be like, someone's looking at me, someone's making fun of me, someone's doing this or someone's angry, you know, and you can, you can be affected by it or you can create it and you don't have to try. And so it becomes from when you're so aligned and healed and understood of who you are, like the word confidence. I was looking this up the other day, the confidence comes from the Latin word um, trust. And so it's basically like, do you trust yourself, like the confidence of yourself? Do you trust who you are and what you are? And so when you walk into a room, you you change the the or you walk into a conversation a room or any situation, you create a whole new vibration frequency that is uh, effortless. There is no trying to uh, get affirmation or validation or um, attention or brag or boast. It's really you come into a room and you're like, man, who can I just love? Like who really needs a hug? Who really needs some good questions maybe or just to be heard or felt? And you're not going into a room of transaction of like, okay, who can help me here? Who can help me get to my next career goal who can help me get x y and z and uh, a broken masculine a hurting masculine walks into a room and goes okay i need to use people here to get what I, you know it's just it's this like dominion kind of idea and uh and when you're healed and with this feminine plus masculine you come in and be like man who can i just you know who can i love you know not impress but who can i just yeah be there for so I guess that's like, I hope that answers a little bit of it. <laughs> no, it definitely does. And I think, you know, it's more about what I've found in my own journey and also just witnessing those of others. There's, there's when someone has a very strong presence, when somebody has a level of awareness and they approach or come into a room, you feel it. It's a subtle vibrational state that nobody even has to speak a word, that it is just truly felt from the inside out, from everybody around you. And so I think from doing the inner work and from healing those different parts of yourself, from going through different parts of the inner child and, and really owning and taking and taking responsibility for everything that you've been through. It's through this deep inner work that you come to that place of presence that is exactly what you were just speaking to and in approaching everything from a place of love, which I think is by far the most powerful thing that we can all do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, that's it. And I'm curious, this kind of leads into what I wanted to talk about before when we were talking offline is talking about fatherhood, right? Because we talk about leadership and our work in the world and all of that. And, and there's beautiful things that we're all doing to make this world a better place, but none better than, than being a conscious father, you know? And I find that I always say that the top three initiations that anybody can go through is one being a, uh, an entrepreneur, because it will test you inside and out (laughs) being in a conscious relationship and also being a parent. And I think those three things will shape and mold you into your greatest self. And so I'm curious to know about your journey into fatherhood and what that's been like for you. Yeah, it's definitely, um, you know, I'm still fresh into it. Uh, He's five months old. Uh, Phoenix Skywalker is his name. And um, yeah, it's definitely been like almost the accumulation of everything I've built up, you know, to the full, the full serenity of um, 
yeah, I don't know. It, yeah, it's, it's definitely, uh, yeah, it's just a reflection, you know, of like working so hard on yourself, on your, uh, everything like your thoughts, your emotions, your triggers, your trauma response, and then implementing it into the ultimate sanctification, right? Like the goal of um, a child is to uh, reflect what you still need to learn and love about yourself and how do you lead. And um, yeah, it's the ultimate, you know, purification of like what we're trying to get to as the, 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 you know, Christ consciousness, the enlightened one. So yeah, it's, it's a journey. I'm still like new into it, but it's definitely felt like I'm glad I waited. Like, I'm glad I waited for the right person. I'm glad I waited till, you know, I could have waited like, till I, I always had like this benchmark of like, I could be 35, 36 and I ended up being 33, but, um, you know, not rushing it, not putting a lot of pressure on it, not putting a lot of expectation on it and realizing that I still need to be committed to my purpose and, and people and my goals, because I can tell my son for the rest of his life what to do and how to live and how to have integrity and character, but he won't give a shit, right? Our kids only see how we act and how we show up. And the reason there's such a brokenness in parenting is where it's a lot of hypocritical thinking, right? A lot of parents just being like, why, why, don't, my kids, why don't my kids listen to me? And it's like, well, are you leading or are you talking, you know, and parent and I've the, the plus side of working with thousands of high school and college students and young adults for 14 years is I've worked with thousands of parents as well. And um, I've, I've lived with over 100 host families when I was traveling as well. So I always got to like peek into um, families and parenthood and all these different things and, and working so close with parents that I've seen the spectrum. There is no book, right? There is no book that is in the world that tells you how or what to do as a parent. It doesn't exist. And people have tried and you can try, but I've seen the spectrum of both things. I've literally seen two loving parents, private school, all the, all the education, all the things you can get become arrested meth addicts. And then I've seen a single mom in the hood of Denver and a kid goes to Stanford or Yale or whatever, you know, and I've, and it's just like, there is no perfect equation or formula, even if it's like love and both parents are there. Because there is, it's the ultimate, um, you know, the world is the world and, you know, it, it is what, and that person, your kid is your, is their own person, no matter. And you're like, well, I just, I love them. And I, and I listen to, you know, X, Y, and Z. And it's like, yeah. And the, you know, the, that, that kid is going to do what that kid's going to do. And it's his own person. And so that, so you can't really tie yourself to your kids as much as I think people do a lot. Um, and and really learning to do what you can but also kind of have this open hand of like freedom and surrender you know and and then the day i think to come full circle on what i was saying is be it like you gotta live it you gotta be the example and and uh just telling your kids to do whatever it just won't work (laughs) kids don't learn that way yeah man (laughs) that's that's so so true and you know i've i'm new on this journey as well you know only you know, a few years in, but it definitely has been quite the initiation. And really there's so much. And I think something what you mentioned in the beginning is that, you know, really the the purpose of, of children was multiple purposes, but one of them is to really highlight where you're still unhealed, where you're still holding on to pain and to certain aspects that you haven't let go of or, or healed completely. And so, you know, I think when parents have that awareness and we can realize that, that, Hey, like this is an opportunity to gain a deeper level of awareness, to gain a deeper level of clarity, to step deeper into our true self. 
then it's what a beautiful opportunity it is. It doesn't mean it's easy because, you know, being a parent is, is one of the most challenging jobs, especially without community. So many people are doing it in these individualized homes and cultures. And it's just like, yeah, there, that's a whole nother topic that I think needs to be addressed as well as talking about inviting back in community and creating that for children. But yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, one of the most important things is just to bring is to bring love and to nurture your child's potential in any way that looks and to lead by example. Like you said, if you're living your true heart's desire, if you're living your purpose, then yeah, of course, that's going to have a profound effect and, you know, on, on anybody, especially your child. Yeah. And I always, I always laugh, you know, even LeBron James kids are like still kind of annoyed of him or like, Oh, that's my dad. And it's just like such a funny thing of like, it's just, and that's just part of it. Yeah. Is, is like, there is no, um, you know, that ideal situation of like, I'm going to be cool. I'm going to be this. And it's like, and I look at LeBron James kids and be like, Oh my God, there goes dad again. And it's like so funny to just, it'll always humble you. Like LeBron James isn't LeBron James to his kids. He's a dad, he's a father, he's a husband. And, um, you know, comes down to just that, yeah, that integrity and that trust. And, and it's even Mark Wahlberg. I watched this movie called Father Stew yesterday and this interview of him and he's, and, you know, he shows his kids and the interview person, he's, he was like telling every person, he's like, yeah, my kids, they're just kind of like, all right, dad, that kind of was boring. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just so funny that it just humbles you, but you stay committed and, and in the long run, it comes full circle for sure. But yeah, it's like you said, it's a reflection of just the humbling journey of what else do you need to learn about your human experience? Mm. Um, so yeah. What has been, you know, it's been five months for you, but what has been your greatest initiation so far that you felt or greatest lesson challenge, something that's come up for you? I mean, I would say, I just want people to know it's not the end goal. It's not the mountaintop. Like I'm so blessed and so fortunate and he's healthy and he's beautiful, but there's still a lot of people that need help in the world. And I still have a lot of fuel of wanting to make a difference in a lot of people's lives. And I'm so thankful for him and he helps, you know, ground me and, and show me different things. But I think so many people are thinking it's the climax and the pinnacle of like the, you know, the mountaintop and um, just to encourage people not to rush, like to encourage people, like people might be like, oh my God, BC has, you know, the wife, the kid, all this. And I'm like, yeah, I do. And I still have a lot of uh, dreams and goals and accomplishments I want to hit. And I think a lot of people in culture and society of like, man, I just need to get this kid because I need this kid to be my purpose. And your purpose will never be an external thing of yourself, you know? And and I think I see so many young people just rushing to fall in love and, and get a kid and be married. And they're just so disappointed when they finally have those things. And they're just like, wait, this is, wait, why am I still so insecure? And why am I still so um, depressed and anxious and overwhelmed? All these different things. Like I thought this was going to be the medicine I needed. And I want to encourage people to be like, it's not. It's, it's, it's beautiful. I love having my, my wife as, you know, my, one of my best friends and, and my son healthy, but it's just, uh, it's, it's part, it's, they're not part of me. They're part of me, but they're, they're not like, they're still their own entities, you know? Um, which is kind of like, you know, it's just, I'm always, I just want to encourage people to just be patient and, and, uh, and, uh, yeah, hope that makes sense. 
Yeah, it's and it's like having your own sovereign relationship and knowing that everybody is their own sovereign being, that you're there to be that provider, to be that protector, to be that, yeah, that beautiful example of what it means to be a heart-led man in the world for your son. Um, but yeah, I understand from, you know, not making it your sole purpose, but, you know, I, I can, I think one of the most important things today and there's a, there's something that came across um, I don't know maybe a couple of years ago I was driving down the highway and there was a large billboard and it said take time to be a father today and there's something that really really hit me strong in that moment it was like showing us that there's a huge problem that men aren't there for their children that they're for whatever reason and of course you know there's a lot of sickness within society addictions or any other things happening but to serve as a reminder that men need to be fathers and and there was something that was really um again hit me really strong and knowing that hey it might not be my sole purpose but it's something that's extremely important to be that example to be a conscious father and to show up in that space even when it's not easy, when there is challenges and all of that as well. So yeah, that just kind of came through when I was, when you were talking about that. Oh, amen. Yeah. I, I don't want to ever, you know, uh, like not talk about the importance of that, of like, yeah, my purpose is to, you know, support my wife in every way I can and my son. Um, yeah, that's still the foundation of where I'm coming from and the importance of, yeah, just, yeah, being, uh, being a parent that's there, that's listening, that's caring. And um, yeah, I'm really excited to see what this chapter and season and journey unfolds for sure. Changes day to day. That is for sure. (laughs) I know. Right. Yeah. You definitely learn, you learn patience. I mean, to the 10th degree, Um, there is no, you know, you can have a podcast interview, a huge conference call, a massive event, but if this kid, you know, needs to, is having a, you know, a fit or needs a diaper change or a nap, you drop everything and you're no longer this social media person or the speaker or whatever it is. You're just like, Oh, cool. I'm changing this kid's diaper and then I'm going to burp him. And, and yeah, so it's the ultimate patience for sure. And that's where the true humbleness comes in, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, it's the biggest thing that goes unseen, right? So so many people can be like, Oh, yep. BC hasn't, BC hasn't released a podcast or hosted another event or it doesn't this. And everyone's, you know, criti- criticizing you on the, on the outside because they don't see the, you know, sleepless nights or the, um, you know, diaper changes or whatever it is, you know? Well, and you know, of course with the social media realm, everything is so glorified. It's like, Oh yeah, well this is my kid. This is what we're doing. You know, all these things, but it's like, you know, hardly does anybody show the realness of, of their journey, whether it's a parent journey or anything else. Like it's like all these highlight reels that are really, I mean, just show you a very small snippet of what it's actually like to be human in this, in this world. And, uh, that's something that I strive to bring forth more and more is like, Hey, this is, this is what's going on. Like this isn't, there is no perfection here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And just to slow down, I think everyone thinks, you know, this is a crazy race and just to be reminded, this is a marathon that even if I put everything on pause for five years to just commit to the first five years, you know, of my son, like, even if I did that, I would still have so much time in life, you know, and, and, uh, there, you know, it's a dance, it's a balance between, um, hustling and, you know, like really living a life of being fullest and, and just being reminded that there's, there's no race. It's a marathon for sure. Mm, yeah. Wonderful, wonderful point there, brother. Um, 
one last thing I just want to touch on with you is, you know, I know you got a lot of things going on in the world right now, as far as your mastermind and helping people to pursue their purpose. If you want to talk a little bit about that, let people know what's going on with that and everything else. Yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah. So basically from 19 years old to 30, so 11 years, I was just constantly traveling the world, helping high school kids, taking high school kids around the world, doing projects in Africa and Asia. And, um, was doing so much and super thankful and, and blessed on the on the experiences and the people I got to impact. And then I didn't know where it was going or leading up to. And I turned 30 and I spent my 30th birthday in Kenya uh, for a month, just getting really quiet and really still because um, I kind of had this like, well, it's funny that we just talked about the patience of time because when I was 22 years old, I tattooed it on my heart that I was going to die when I was 30 and not in like a morbid way, but in a way that never allowed me to be complacent or um, think I can always do this idea next year. I remember when I was 22 years old, I was just like, all right, BC, you're going to die when you're 30. Not in like a morbid way, but in a way that I couldn't make any excuses for ideas and, and dreams that I had. So I truly lived every single day for those, those, you know, eight, nine years that, uh, and then I turned 30 and I was like, okay, I'm still alive. I'm still here. That's good. Now what? And those 11 years, I didn't make any money, but I definitely was so blessed to travel the world and, and do a lot of amazing work. Um, and then sitting in Kenya, I was like asking God, I was like, all right, what's next? What's next? I worked with, you know, thousands of high school kids, all this stuff. And God was like, all right, be the person you wish you had when you were in your 20s now. So my whole decade of 20s, I was being the person I wish I had in high school. And now create leaders, BC. Like I, I felt this, I, I would run these high school programs with 400 high school kids. And I would just cry at the end with all these students being like, man, I wish I could take every single one of you guys to lunch all throughout your four years of high school. And I couldn't do it. So when I turned 30, I was like, damn, I got to make more leaders. Like I have to create more heart led divine masculines and divine feminine leaders. So really looked at how do I do that and uh, created a program of this thing, this movement called Pursuing Purpose. And within Pursuing Purpose, you know, created an online mastermind, started doing these retreats, filled a lot of imposter syndrome. I was like, who am I? Like, I've never charged money for like, you know, mentoring or, you know, doing all this stuff and tried to figure out how to be authentic and charge at the same time and create these experiences. So I've been doing that for the last three and a half years and found tons of beauty in it with um, over 150 alumni and all the masterminds and retreats from like 27 countries. And like now we have 47 year old men, we have 42 year old mothers, like we have 18 year olds still. Um, but we have this crazy diversity of what our program has been able to invite people into. And it never really had an age limit. But it's definitely birthed into like this wild movement and that I couldn't have ever fathomed in a million years. And I'm still learning till this day how to build authentic community and impact people in the in the programs. So, yeah, we do online masterminds. Um, it's usually 30 to 50 people for eight weeks. And then we do in-person retreats and and then do a lot of events and every, everywhere in between. But I'm still learning as I go and uh, being humbled and being challenged and checked. So I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm really thankful for it. Beautiful, man. <clears throat> that sounds incredible. What's the website if people want to check that out? It's pursuingpurpose.life. Amazing. Um, yeah. Or pursuingpurpose.life on Instagram as well. Okay. Awesome. 
Well, I definitely uh, recommend anybody check that out for sure. And uh, you just, uh, yeah, really appreciated our conversation. I, uh, I felt very enriched by it and I appreciate all of the, yeah, authenticity and wisdom that you brought to the table and uh, yeah, really looking forward to continue to follow your journey as well. Oh, thanks, bro. Yeah, man. Well, if you're ever in the States again and in LA or, or Denver, um, yeah, we'll have to link up, man. I appreciate you tons. And, and for all the men listening, I, I just, I appreciate you. I, I see you. I love you. And I, I, I honor you and women um, that, uh, that your journey is, you're right where you're supposed to be. And uh, listening to this podcast episode is just a reflection of the intention you're taking to become better and learn and, and listen. So thanks for checking it out listening. Yeah, my man. Appreciate you. I'll talk to you soon. You too, man. Thanks, Christopher. Oh,